you are listening to Ideas and Leaders podcast. I'm Elena Paventa, Executive Communication Coach and TEDx Organizer. With each episode, I'll share with you communication tips and ideas from top business leaders to help you excel in your career. Welcome to the new episode of Ideas and Leaders podcast. Today, I have a special guest. It is Alain Hankins, and he helps high-achieving people to become high-achieving leaders. He's a trainer, he's a coach, he's a leadership speaker and consultant. He has an amazing international experience. And recently, he wrote a book called Cracking the Leadership Code, Three Secrets to Building Strong Leaders. And today we're going to speak about this book. Hi, Alain. Hello, Elena. I'm really excited for our conversation. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for joining our podcast. So tell me, why did you decide to write this book? There are so many books on leadership. Why did you decide to write Cracking the Leadership Code? And what is different about this book? Sure, yeah. There are so many leadership books out there. So for me, this wasn't an endeavor where I went, oh, what are my thoughts on leadership? Let me just sit down and write. So first and foremost, I am a leadership practitioner, right? I've spent 25 years working with over 2,000 different groups of leaders in 25 countries. And so less did I sit and write the book. I like to say that as my life experience wrote the book. And what I did is I started early in my career, you know, as you, and this is true for anyone who's listening, I'm sure you've seen this, is if you do something long enough, you start to see these patterns emerge. And so for me, I was seeing this patterns of leadership behavior is that all best leaders had certain trends and patterns in common. And all of the lousy leaders had certain patterns in common. And so as I saw this, I started taking notes and writing a blog. I started a blog in 2011 and the blogs kept piling up and the blogs ended up becoming chapters and the chapters became sections and the sections became this book. And why I believe this book is different is because as an adult educator, I know how people think and learn. And I don't know about you, but most business books out there, I use them to mostly to go to sleep because... <laughs> They're really boring. And I thought, what engages people? And you know this as a communications coach and expert, Elena. It's stories. And so I had the benefit of having heard literally thousands of stories over the years. And so I was capturing these stories. And what is every story has a lesson. And for me, what's interesting about leadership isn't just, you know, you need to communicate well. Like, yeah, I understand that already, but what's going to get in my way? So I wanted to capture some of the depth of the challenges because this stuff is so much easier to talk about and to teach and to write about than it is to live. And I wanted to capture the essence of that in the book. And so I think what separates this book out is it's story driven, but it's based on practical real world experience. And I also know that from an action moving forward point of view, you can't just leave things hanging out at the idea or conceptual level. You have to break it all the way down to the specific behavioral level of, okay, so if I want to be a better communicator, what are the things that I can do? What are the things that are going to get in my way? And what's a simple habit that I can start to practice tomorrow to get better at doing this? And so the book combines all of those things. And because I think it combines all those things with a lot of thought and intention, it's been really well received. So I'm, I'm super grateful. I mean, it's been endorsed by people like Marshall Goldsmith and Jim Coozes and Barry Posner, the authors of the Leadership Challenge, Daniel Pink. I mean, so some pretty well-known leadership luminaries 
have recognized the value in it. And I think that comes from all of those different elements coming together in this one way. Wow, that is fantastic. And I know that you have an amazing international experience. You've been working with leaders for many, many years in many different countries. So based on your experience and uh, from your trainings, and uh, maybe uh, you covered it also in the book, what are the typical bad habits inherited from previous generations of leaders And do you see such patterns and what these patterns can lead to? Yeah, such a good question, Elena. So for me, it's amazing how unless we stop and question where we learned what we do, we tend just to repeat unconsciously things that went on. In fact, funny story that happened to me that really brought this to life. So I have two kids. My, my son, Alexander, is now 16 and my daughter, Miranda, is 13. So this happened about 10 years ago when they were six or three, six and three. And as little kids are do, they were in our living room. And as they do, they were getting loud and goofing off and playing and getting really loud. And I have to confess, Elena, I got a little bit triggered. I was in the other room. I was trying to get something done. And I walked into the living room And no joke, this is what came out of my mouth. I said, would you two stop behaving like children, right? I'm telling you this for two reasons. Number one, that is a ridiculous thing to say, right? Because obviously they're six and three, they are children. But more importantly, number two, see, as soon as those words came out of my mouth, I was in shock because would you stop behaving like children was the exact same phrase my mother used to use with my brother and I when we were kids, right? So I just, and I was like, oh my gosh, did I just say that? That was my mother. And so I think as leaders, why do we lead the way we do? Well, we learn through example. And the example in most organizations, if you go back not that long ago, is leadership in the industrial age, where the mindset was command and control. Because when you're working in assembly lines on factory floors, the expectation was, The leaders or the management did all the thinking and the workers were the laborers. So basically the mindset was I'm in charge, you shut up and you do as you're told. And if you don't like it, there's five other people outside that are willing to take your spot. So the, one of the bad habits that many leaders fall into is once we get the title, I'm now the manager, senior manager, right? Associate manager, whatever. Once I have that title, I go into this, I need to know. So like, I need to have the answers and tell people what to do. When people have problems, I need to fix those problems for them and they need to do as I say. And so that trifecta, those three major belief systems inform antiquated, what I'll call old school leadership. When in fact, in this world of knowledge work that we're living in, it's actually not the role for the leader to be the commander in chief, but rather to be the facilitator in chief. So in other words, if you have an issue, I need to come over and instead of giving you the answer, be much more coach-like in my approach and asking you questions and drawing out and understanding what's going on. Because I have to start, and these are the three secrets, by the way, <laughs> in the book of the three secrets of effective leadership, is I have to start by building a human-to-human -human connection. Because for knowledge workers, until we have that basis of trust and connection built, we can't perform at our best. And there's lots of studies, and I cite these in the book, that say this, that around that basically 
people that feel cared for are so much more productive than people who don't feel cared for. So it starts by connecting and then we have to communicate to create some kind of shared understanding. And I do that much better by listening to you than by telling you as the leader. And then once we have that shared understanding, then we can co-create and collaborate and create effective solutions together. So that, those are some of the bad habits that so many leaders, even today in 2021, in our knowledge work era, are still living out that inherited legacy. Yes. So this pattern keeps on repeating. If someone yeah. experienced this some time ago, then maybe they think that this is how it is supposed to work. So what uh, employees are looking for in the leaders today? Yeah. So really what employees want, and there's lots of research out there, and I cite a bunch of different people on this. Um, number one is more and more, we're seeing you know, employees aren't going to work just for a paycheck, right? People want much more than a job out of their job. And as we're seeing, especially as we have gone through the coronavirus pandemic and coming out hopefully soon of the other side, is this sense, you know, we used to talk about work and then life, and then we talked about work-life balance. And what we're finding now more and more, those two things are merging into there's life, right? And so what people are ultimately wanting, much more than just a paycheck, yeah, they need to have their paycheck needs met, right? Those financial needs met, but that's just a small fraction of it. What they want is what people really want is they want to feel that they're part of a winning organization they can be proud of. So what that means is they have a sense of purpose that what they're doing is contributing on a much bigger picture level to something greater than themselves. They, first of all, they want that at, in work. The other thing they want as well is they want a sense of autonomy, right? People want to feel like they can be the agent in their own life and make decisions and create solutions and bring their own skills and abilities so that they are enlivened because when they do that, it makes them more effective and they feel better. The other thing that people want as well is they want to go to a place that energizes them so that the systems, the policies and the structures, I mean, so many of us listening right now, I'm sure are going, wow, how many of us just deal with stupid rules? Like, why do you have to do this? Because that's how we do things around here, you know? Sorry, but you need to fill out three forms before you get that, right? All that kind of stuff. So we want energy. And so we want to get rid of any kind of unnecessary complexity so that we can get to the work that really matters. And also people want to feel psychologically safe, right? The fact is we want to feel like we can show up and bring our whole selves to work, that we don't have to pretend to be someone that we're not. And what we're finding, especially in the workforce in the world today, is that this really, we can thank the millennials and Gen Z for bringing this in because they refuse to play the old games that were the standard for many generations in the workforce. You know, as the rules have changed, they have now changed the value equation. Not to mention with the advent of new technology, you know, 25 years ago, if you didn't like your job, there was no LinkedIn, there was no Glassdoor to decide where the grass might be greener. And so a lot more empowerment has gone the way of the employee where they ultimately become much more of a free agent 
and they get to chart the path of their own career. Yeah. So this is true that leaders need to be more empathetic towards employees, but many would say that, yeah, why should I waste my time? We need to be productive. We need to achieve our goals. We have KPIs. We need to work, work, work. Yeah. Uh, so do you think there are any benefits and uh, business benefits of showing empathy uh, towards employees? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, you bring up such a good point, Lena, because, you know, humans are very funny. Humans really only have the capacity to focus on one thing at a time, right? So and if you said, hey, look at that thing, it's, it's like that thing. You can't say, look at these seven things because I'd have to keep shifting from one to the other. And I say that all because as we bring up the idea of, oh, you know, you're talking about empathy, but we have a job to do as though it's binary. It's like it's either one thing or the other as opposed to what great leaders do is they embrace paradox. The fact is, it's both. And in fact, demonstrating empathy, not only because people hear that, they're like, oh, you know, we're not in group therapy here. You know, they have a job to do. We have a business to run. We have customers to serve. Yes. And there are three major business benefits, result benefits that come out of leading with empathy. Number one is empathy builds trust. And by the way, just to define empathy, so we're all on the same page, I define empathy as showing people that you understand them and that you care how they feel, which I know sounds very soft and squishy. And what the research has found when it comes so empathy as a benchmark fosters trust. And there was a wonderful study by Watson Wyatt a few years ago that found that this is on total shareholder return. So this is about profitability, is that high trust organizations outperform low trust organizations by a factor of 286%, okay? So there's a real business case. The first reason empathy impacts your bottom line is trust. The next thing is that when you show empathy, you get better insights. Let's face it. If you know that somebody cares about you and that they show you that they care about you, you're much more likely to come over to them and say, hey, Elena, I've got these ideas for how I think we can work with our customers better. Whereas if you don't show me that level of empathy, I'm like, well, Elena's kind of a jerk of a boss. You know, I'm just going to do my job and then go home and complain about her to my, to my wife, right? Or, or my partner. And so, so empathy creates insights. And then the third big thing that what empathy does is as people relax with all this trust and their insights, we come up with better and new ideas of how to do stuff. So third is empathy fosters innovation. You know, I do a lot of work with training people around innovation. And we talk about that for companies to be truly innovative, they need to have a strategy as to why they're innovative. They need to have a, a mechanism for generating ideas, a process for selecting those ideas. And then they have to have a climate in which those ideas can flourish. And of all those different elements, the one that is the most important is the climate. Right. Because if you don't get your culture right, the rest doesn't matter. You know, I think it was Peter Drucker that famously said, you know, that culture eats a strategy for breakfast. And so empathy is a key ingredient to creating what I'll call a human centered culture. So what can leaders do? Like what are the some small things that leaders can do every day in the workplace or in the virtual workplace now to uh, develop this commitment and loyalty in, yeah. in, in their teams? So we start again, we talk about these three secrets. This is about connection, communication, and collaboration. The place I would start is connection. So let's get specific about some things that you can do. So one of the things to consider around connection is that at its core, leadership is a one-on-one -on -one 
human to human relationship. And as leaders, we have to remember sometimes we don't want to sacrifice effectiveness for the sake of efficiency. Let me give you an example, Elena. So let us say I have five people on my team. I'm the leader, I have five people on my team. And I go, oh, I've got it. We have this key initiative and I need everyone to get on board. So I'm gonna spend all this time writing this email and I send the email out to all five all at once, right? Dear team, here it is, okay? Which is efficient, right? Because I've just distributed that all out. Here's the stuff. However, I need their commitment. I need their buy-in. I need their engagement to moving this forward versus what if I take that same information that's in the email, but I schedule a one-on-one -on -one meeting with all five of them. Now, obviously it's gonna take me some more time up front as the leader, but what do I get in return on the back end from their point of view? So the first thing I can do is realize where do I need to create these one-on-one -on -one connections? And by the way, sometimes those one-on-one -on -one connections can be really quick, such as, you know, hey, Elena, I was thinking about this and I just wanted to thank you for the great work you're doing here. Like just to drop in a little commendation in those moments. So it doesn't have to take a lot. So the first place in terms of being able to build loyalty and commitment is to build real relationships. So people feel like they know you as a person and that you listen to them as a person, which leads to number two. The biggest thing, and I just use the word, is listening. And I call it listening with purpose, which is very different than listening to respond or listening to correct or listening to show people like you're fake listening and now I'm gonna tell you what you have to do. Right? It's to be actually be genuine, be open, be curious, and to be able to park your own assumptions. Because the fact is the most valuable resource that any of us have, not even at work, but just in life, I believe, is our presence, our ability to fully attend to someone else. So that ability to listen with purpose, pick up on that. And again, when I ask people, I'd like you to think about the leaders that you have most admired, that you've ever worked with in your entire life, anywhere. One of the qualities that comes up is on some level, it's they saw me, they heard me, they acknowledged me, right? And as Maya Angelou, I'm sure you know this quote, so famous, so useful though, right? Is that, you know, years later, she said, people won't remember what you said, they won't remember what you did, but they'll remember how you made them feel. And so I think understanding, I don't care what industry you work in, it could be high tech or manufacturing or pharmaceuticals, first and foremost, you are in the people business, right? We're all running businesses. The businesses only run because of the people, right? There is no business without people. And so we need to embrace that as leaders and lean into it. And especially now with remote work, pandemic conditions, we have to lean in, even using technology as an intermediary, we have to lean in and be exceptionally human as to what we do. Yeah, human to human connection is very important. And one-on-one uh, -on -one communication is very important right now. And I wanted to ask you about uh, communication. As you know, I'm communication coach, and this topic yeah. is very important for me. And yeah. I would be interested to know what you think about this. So what are the main obstacles to communicating well in the organization, especially now when we have this remote work, we have this pandemic situation, we have even more obstacles. So what obstacles do you see and how we can overcome them? Yeah, such an important thing, right? So, you know, it's interesting because for years and years when people ask, you know, what are the biggest challenges you face at work? Communication is almost nearly at the top of the list. You know, about 80% of different challenges tend to come into communication. So there's a few major challenges that come up. The first one that comes up is lack of clarity. And this, and as you know, as a communications expert, um, this is such a common trap because 
most of us operate from the belief that, oh, whatever this concept or idea is in my mind, it's so clear to me, it must be clear to everyone else, right? Well, and psychologists call this projection bias, where we unconsciously assume other people have the same exact thoughts as we do, right? So in fact, I'll tell you an example, non-work example, a story that brings this to life. So a few years ago, so I live in Western Massachusetts in the United States. And a few years ago, a family friends named Pam and Charlie drove up from Washington DC to visit us. And so just to let you know for the story, um, our house is a very narrow driveway that's only wide enough for one car. And at the end, it widens out where you can park two cars side to side. And now we are a two car family, so we have two cars. So when Pam and Charlie came to visit, they parked their car right behind our two cars which basically blocked us out, right? We could not leave, which is fine until I had to leave. So I asked Pam if she could please park her car in front of the house. And she stopped and she went, do you want me to park where? I said, park your car in front of the house. Y you sure? Yeah. And so she said, okay, I'll park my car in front of the house. And I thought, what is up with Pam? Now I was going to the airport to leave to do a, do a training. And so I picked up my suitcase, I got in my car and I started to back down the driveway and as I'm going backwards, I look over my shoulder and there's a weird thing catches my eye because you know what I see? I see Pam's car and she has parked her car. You know where she's parked her car? In front of the house, as in directly in front of the house, as in on the flower beds, right in front of the house, like not on the curb, but in front of the house. And as I pulled out, I was like, why? Oh, that's why she was asking me that question three times. Because in my mind, what else can I, when I say park my car, park your car in front of the house, the only possible logical thing any human would ever think is park your car on the street, on the curb. But Pam had obviously taken my words literally, right? So this is just an example of that projection bias. And you see this at work all the time, right? How many of us have ever said something like, well, I sent them the email, they should know what to do. Or gosh, can't senior management realize what a stupid process this is? Again, super clear in your own mind, but not clear in anyone else's. And so the role of the leader is to make sure we're not just communicating, but we're communicating to make sure we're both aligned with accurate understanding. So that lack of clarity is a big one. And I'd say another big challenge, especially today, is just information overload, right? Overwhelm, it's just the sheer volume. And the challenge for leaders we have to realize is that more is not better, right? More is just more. And people don't want your information, they want your insight. So what can you do to create insight? And I mean, and here's a simple thing that anyone can do if you're not doing it already, is just check how clear your subject lines are in your emails, right? How many of us send and receive emails and the subject line has nothing to do with what's inside? How can your subject line be the lead, right? In journalism, they call it the lead, right? The big central message so people know exactly what they're reading and why they're reading it. That's just a simple thing to do. I mean, this is stuff that you know quite well, Elena. So those are a couple of the big examples of things that get in the way, that clutter up our ability to get to understanding. And the reason I touch on why shared understanding is so important is because, again, like we said, in business, we're not just here to talk to each other. we got results to deliver. And so what shared understanding provides, it is the platform on which we take all future action. So if we have shared understanding, we have this level platform that is strong and powerful, and we can build a lot of great things by making good decisions and taking great actions and getting good results. However, if our platform is wobbly and weak because it's a lot of misunderstanding, and I'm sure many of us have had the experience of 
finishing a meeting and then going out in the hallway and saying, hey, Elena, what did we just decide on? What, what was that, right? The meeting after the meeting, right? Then we have a very wobbly foundation that is built on misunderstanding. And we're gonna take some poor decisions, poor actions, and we're gonna get poor results. So that's why we have to be vigilant up front in the planning and the communicating and the understanding. So let's sum up our tips for leaders, especially for current situation. We are in a remote work, our teams are remote. So yeah. what can we do to make our virtual workplace more energized? What can we do to make our people more motivated? So one-on-one -on -one calls, yes, reaching out to people one-on-one yeah. -on -one and asking them questions. What else can we do? Yeah, well, actually, before we leave, what, what else we can do? I think the questions that we ask are really useful. So I've written about this a few times in some magazines lately. Um, there are three questions that I recommend that you use as a check-in when you're checking in with people. Again, we talked about the importance of one-on-one -on -one connections. So there's three questions and they go in a very specific order. So question number one, how are you feeling? And not just, I'm fine, how are you? But really, because let's face it, we are living through pandemic times. So the big issues that have always been there, life, death, sickness, health, right? Which frankly, most businesses used to keep under the rug suddenly these are out in the open. So, and also understanding people are going through a lot of mental health challenges these days. So we have to make it, first of all, normalize it. So that is okay not to be at your best every day because this is hard, right? This is crazy times we are living through. You know, I looked up the definition of trauma in the dictionary when this all started back in March of 2020. And the definition of trauma is a deeply distressing or disturbing experience. Now, I don't know about you, Elena, but I think that <laughs> global pandemic, qualifies, right? This is a trauma. So we're yeah. living through post-traumatic stress and different people respond in different ways. So like, I don't know about you, but I have been super tired and my sleep has been completely interrupted since March. So, you know, how are you? It's a great question because first of all, what it does is you're asking, how are you the person? We're not asking, how are you employee, right? It's time to start treating people like human beings and not like human resources. So start with, how are you? And then key is listen to what they say, right? So that's the first question. Question two, what's distracting you from being fully engaged? Because you know leaders can be good at many things, but reading minds is not one of them. So look, working from home, you don't have the physical proximity. You need to be very explicit and ask people to tell you what it is that's going on. So what's distracting you? And what's great about this question is it's a mirror because if somebody says, hey, just to let you know, you know, my mother just got a COVID test. We're waiting for it to come back tomorrow. You know, that's what's on their mind. If somebody else says, gosh, you know, I've reached out to this major customer and they've not come back to me yet. That's what's on their mind. So it's a reflection of what's distracting you. Now, you know, which leads to the third question, which is, how can I support you? Right? So it's so it's driven by listening and letting them come up with their own solutions. How can I support you? People are adults in the workplace. They are resilient. They have ideas. And it's our role as leaders is to facilitate great performance. It's not to command and control it. So asking three questions, you know, how are you feeling? What's distracting you from being fully engaged? And how can I support you? It's amazing. It's sort of people have used this. I've got clients that use this like, oh my gosh, I'm a this was so simple. And the big challenging thing for a lot of leaders with those questions is to let go of the idea that you need to know what the answers are. Look, as a facilitator, you're now more coach-like. You don't need to know what the answers are. What you do need to know is the process 
and have the skills to listen to what they tell you so that you can act on what they share. Yeah. So let's challenge our listeners to reach out to their team members and ask those three important questions. See what uh, what happens. I'm very interested in the results. So yeah, let me know if you practice this. And also you can write to Alan and uh, uh, tell him what, what do you think. Yeah. So if our listeners want to contact you, how can they reach out? What is the best way? Sure, Elena. Yes, the, probably the easiest way to go is the book has its own website. You can start there. It's www.crackingtheleadershipcode.com, which is spelled just the way it sounds. That takes you right to the book page. You can buy the book there. You can also download the first chapter of the book and give it a preview. That links right to the alainhunkins.com webpage. I'll spell that for you. It's www.alain. H-U-N-K-I-N-S.com. You can learn about all the various offerings that I have going on. So for example, I've been running a 30-day micro-learning leadership challenge online where we have a cohort of people who are practicing getting better at leadership in only five to 10 minutes a day. And we're doing this in an online format. Right now, I know we're, we're recording this in the middle of January of 2021. We've just started a cohort five days ago. We've got 120 leaders from 16 countries going through this. And already we are, we've had over 7,000 actions taken towards becoming a better leader and great conversation in our online community. So there's lots of information about that. And feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn as well. And if you've listened and this far, you are now part of the end of the podcast club, which means if you have any questions that directly you want to ask me, you can go ahead. Here's my direct email and I will respond to every email sent. It's Alain, A-L-A-I-N, at Alain Hunkins, A-L-A-I-N-H-U-N-K-I-N-S.com. And those are all the ways you can reach me. Great. So end of the podcast club will uh, reach you through your email and uh, I will put your website and your links to social media under our episode. Thank you very much, Alain, for being with us today and for sharing your tips and tricks from your new book. My pleasure, Elaine. It's, it's really been an honor being with you today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ideas and Leaders podcast. Did you enjoy this episode? Let me know that you listened by tagging me in your LinkedIn profile and using a hashtag ideas and leaders. See you in the next episode.